Hey guys, this is uh, Jason. I'm here with Chuck. Hey everybody. This is the first episode of Dungeons and Daddies. Or just Dads, because we don't want to be creepy. Dungeons and Dads, because uh, we're trying not to sound too creepy. I think I think this just shows that we are dads, that we wouldn't immediately balk at a name like Dungeons and Daddies. We'd just be like, oh, that's cute, you know, this is, yes, but other people would just be like, this is the new BDSM <laughs> Right, I mean, yeah, uh, if you did get here on accident, you might want to turn this off now, because uh, it's not going to get weird. Well, it might, but not the kind of weird you're looking for. <laughs> So, in this podcast, uh, what me and Chuck uh, decided we wanted to do is we, we kind of want to talk about being a nerd and being a dad and kind of passing on that nerd gene to our kid. I think that we have an interesting experience and uh, we just want to kind of share it with you. So, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit about our nerd cred, just kind of establish uh, why you can trust us. We are the experts. That's right. We're going to give you a little bit of our accomplishments. Uh, you know, I may or may not have been the storyteller of the year at Mobicon 10. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. That's awesome. My one and only experience LARPing, uh, and I won Storyteller of the Year. What does that What does that mean? Storyteller of the Year. That just means that you were GM of the Year. Yeah. Yeah, Storyteller is what they call the DM GM in uh, Vampire the Masquerade, and I was uh, asked to be a storyteller, even though I'd never LARPed before. And uh, I was uh, voted Storyteller of the Year. Um, Look at you, a natural. You just wanted to retire on top. That's why you never LARPed again. And that's true. And, uh, you know, I have to give a lot of that credit to a um, couple of uh, people that helped me out. Um, uh, Jack Daniels, Jim Bean, a couple of different, <laughs> you know, friends that, that, that came. And they really influenced my, my, my storytelling style that year. Chuck, uh, I'll let you uh, go first. Give us a little... All right, all right, I'll show you my nerd papers. Some of you listening to this may know me uh, as the Subtle Doctor on Twitter, or from WaveMotionCanon.com, or from the Watery Death Show uh, anime podcast. Uh, I'm fairly active in the uh, anime community, specifically like the anime blogging and analysis community. So um, for I've been writing about anime for well, I've been an anime fan since I was like 14 uh, when I sort of happened upon Dragon Ball Z playing in the middle of the afternoon. Oh, how about this Japanese cartoon? I didn't know what it was, and it was absolutely entranced by it. And, you know, all these years later, here I am writing about anime. So I've been writing about it since 2013, but Wave Motion, of course, started in 2016. And uh, I'm on a few anime podcasts. Uh, I've also been a lifelong uh, gamer, mostly console games been getting into some pc games lately yeah i got a nintendo entertainment system when i was three years old and uh have never looked back have always had a gaming console in the house ever since then um other nerdy things i guess those are my probably my biggest two nerd passions i think wrestling 
uh, is often associated with nerd culture. I've kind of fallen out of that because, you know, when you have kids, you only have so much time to devote to your hobbies. So unfortunately, like I can't dedicate three hours every Monday and or Tuesday to to watch wrestling. But I, re- I really miss it. Uh, I still uh, have a passion for it. Jason is a lot more into the uh, sort of tabletop side of gaming. Uh, I'm interested in it, and we played a little bit in college, Jason. Yeah, we did play a lot in uh, in college, and I think I've played a lot more than you since then. I think we kind of make a pretty good pair. We cover a lot of the nerd spectrum when we put our, our nerd cred together. Nerd, nerd Voltron. <laughs> right, exactly. We are nerd uh, Voltron, and uh, later we will form that blazing sword. These days, I, I do a lot of tabletop. I don't do as much as I used to, uh, because like uh, Chuck was saying, you know, once you have a kid, you kind of have to choose your choose what hobbies you pursue. Uh, sometimes I feel like my nerd cred's a little bit old, but uh, you know, <laughs> it still should work. I play, uh, of course, D and D, and then recently I've gotten to a lot of indie games. Uh, and uh, you might have heard of one of the games I actually helped design called Worlds in Peril. It's a superhero RPG, and that also takes me to my second passion, and probably my biggest passion, which would be comic books. Um, I'm a hardcore comic book fan. I've been reading comic books since I was 12. Uh, my first comic book was a Batman comic book, but I was then shown the light of Marvel. So, uh, <laughs> you know, my second comic book featured Wolverine, and since then I never looked back. Um, if you can't tell, I'm a huge Marvel nerd. I try to read everything Marvel puts out. Uh, like I said, my nerd cred's a little... A little dated, so these days everything I read is on uh, Marvel Unlimited. So I live in a world that is six months older than uh, you know current comic bookdom. Uh, but uh, you know I still uh, try to keep up with everything. Um, I love comic books, and that is uh, something I'm very passionate about. I even uh, once long ago owned a comic book store called Pillage and Plunder Comics. Deals so cheap. You think you're stealing. And they did. Yes, that's <laughs> probably why it closed. That's a little bit of, of my nerd cred. Chuck, do you experience the, the budget nerd? Do you know what I mean when I say the budget nerd? Oh, absolutely. I feel like, you know, just dads are budget nerds. You just immediately, I mean, maybe even to a degree, it happens when you get married. If you're a good husband, right? You, you actually spend time with your wife. You can't spend all your time and money on your own hobbies. Right. So you kind of start having to sort of whittle down or, like you said before, make choices about what you're most into, most passionate about. But when you get a kid, it's a whole nother level of, like, time and commitment and care. So, like, you really have to choose wisely uh, as far as, like, what you're going to pursue and those few fleeting moments that you get to yourself. Absolutely. And it's like, uh, you know, like you're saying, it's not just budgeting your money. It's also budgeting that time. Oh, yeah. I didn't even talk about the money. I mean, where's the money? Like, the money is gone. It all (laughs) goes away. Yeah, you're no longer uh, deciding you're going to eat ramen noodles for a week so you can go... uh, (laughs) Dump money into a Steam gift card. Right, yeah. These days... uh, you know, it's like, oh, man, uh, maybe I have 15 minutes. I can sit down and read a comic book. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. For sure. For sure. It's like, say it takes me now, if I was going to play like a Japanese role playing game, uh, those games can run anywhere from 40 to 60 hours, I'd say is probably average. And whereas, you know, when I was in college, it might take me a week, week and a half, two weeks or so. 
Like, it takes me a good month, six weeks to finish a game like that because I'm either playing for an hour or two uh, at night or not playing at all because I have fallen asleep because I'm staying up till like one o'clock in the morning to play these video games. <laughs> right, right, yeah. I guess we should talk about uh, a little bit of our dad cred. Just uh, tell, yeah. tell them a little about your kids, uh, just uh, how many you have, how old they are. Yeah, so um, I'm the leader in the clubhouse on this one, I think. So I have three. I have uh, my daughter, my oldest is six. I have a four-year-old son and a two-year-old son. And it is absolute freaking mayhem around my house on a continual basis. All right, and uh, I only have one kid. And (laughs) once I had that first kid, I just could not uh, bring myself to have another one. I thought I did pretty good on the first one, and I knew I was going to screw up with another (laughs) one, just to be honest. I was like, I don't know how I lucked out on this one, but I I don't want to risk it. Look, it's like like with Mobicon. You know, when you get it right the first time, why try again? (laughs) Exactly right. And both of those uh, involved a lot of alcohol. So, uh, you know. (laughs) But... uh, yeah, so uh, I do have my one son, and uh, he is six as well. Uh, he's a pretty cool kid. Uh, I think that's because I, I've been raising him as a uh, as a nerd. Um, and so, uh, you know, today, since it's our first day, I thought maybe we could talk a little uh, about, uh, first, let's talk about how nerdy are your kids? What are, what are your kids into? Uh, oh, boy. Yeah. Um, and I'll go first on this one. I'll tell you a little about my son. Okay. Uh, he is into what every kid is into these days. The first thing being Pokemon. And, uh, you know, out of the gigantic spectrum of nerddom that his father is into, my son had to go and select the one thing that I, I don't have a lot of experience in. So I've been learning Pokemon with him. Uh, Japanese monster collection. <laughs> right. Uh, he's been uh, teaching me a little about the Pokemon. Um you know, uh, and he he's a little bit of a Pokemon hipster these days because he told me the other day that uh, he didn't like Pikachu because Pikachu is on everything and everybody likes Pikachu. So, oh, you know, he, okay. You know. What's his favorite Pokemon? Or, or I was going to say, or what's your favorite Pokemon? Okay, so my favorite Pokemon is definitely Snorlax because it's a fat sleeping teddy bear. <laughs> you know, basically represents me. My son's favorite Pokemon is Chansey. I don't know if you know Chansey. He, oh, yeah, I know Chansey. He's a fat pink guy holding an egg. I don't really understand why he likes him so much, but like, <laughs> he loves it. It's, okay, I thought Chansey was a lady. Or maybe he is but, a lady. It, I, I don't know. Do, are, are, do Pokemon have gender? I don't know. Yeah, and so going hand in hand with Pokemon uh, is uh, the 3DS. My son is obsessed with the 3DS. It's, uh, I moved him. We were doing the Pokemon Go, and he still wants to do that every once in a while. And I was like, son, did you know there's a version of Pokemon Go that you can sit in your house and play? And you don't, <laughs> you don't have to walk in the park. Right. I don't have to go to the park. You don't have to do exercise. You could just sit on the couch. We don't have to drive real slow around town. Yes. Oh, we do that too. Right. Yep. I told him about the 3DS and he saved his allowance and birthday money and whatever and oh. bought his own 3DS. I was pretty impressed with that. And uh, we do play a lot of Pokemon Sun. You know, he'll come to me and I'll help him solve his puzzles and things like that. Um, and the other thing I think a lot of kids are into these days is uh, Harry Potter. This is something that me and my son started reading these books, uh, I guess about his sixth birthday. I think he got... Uh, 
the first book for his birthday, and I read it to him, and so he's super into Harry Potter right now. Uh, he's really into Hermione. Best character. Yeah, I mean, by far, I mean, she does all the work. We just finished the third book, so we finally got to meet like Sirius Black and Lupin. He's also, you know, I've been trying to get him into reading comics and graphic novels. He finally has found the series that he's into. It's a book called Dogman. Uh, it's about a police officer with a dog's head. Now, when you say a police officer with a dog's head, do you just mean that he's an anthropomorphic dog? Or is it a human with an otherwise... <laughs> with, with an dog. explosion <laughs> killed the police officer and the dog, and they were both going to die what? unless they put them together. So they put the dog's head on the police officer's body. Uh, and this is a book written for children. <laughs> My jaw is on the keyboard. Like, so, yeah, no, this is a, a, a kid's graphic novel yeah well, I, unbelievable yeah i mean it, it is drawn in a very kid-like uh manner uh i can't believe your kids haven't brought home i did not know it even existed it, it came home from the book fair greatest time on earth when you're a child the book fair yes love the book fair it's all he's talked about he, he reads it to me sometimes and it let, let me just say it, it i mean it's not the best but uh <laughs> I think all the nerd like parents out there will sympathize with like you have to put up with like some garbage media that your that your kid gets into and you just have to deal with it. You don't want to just be like son, daughter. I think I think you should have better taste than this because you don't want to crush their little their little hearts. And- right, right. So yeah, so you know that's what that's what my son's into right now. And of course, his, his taste changes all the time. So what about you? You got like three kids. So uh, let's uh, see what they're into. Well, they're all into the same things you know they're not at the age where they're really um kind of forging their own identities apart from each other like they like to do everything together which is really nice sometimes you know the older two want the youngest one to go away because they like to build elaborate structures and he likes to destroy elaborate structures but so as far as like nerdy things like they you know they really are into a lot um and i at one point, I was kind of just feeling bad about it because I didn't want to. I wanted them to make their own decisions about it. I was like, you know, if if you if my kids, you know, want to be into sports or they want to be into crafts or art or dolls or or anything like that is, you know, that is fine by me. And like I always supported whatever stuff they wanted to get. But I guess just being around me, uh, they like saw a lot of the things that I was you know, reading or watching or doing, and they gravitated to that. Um, my kids all love Pokemon as well, um, and I I showed them Pokemon. Like once it started to get put on Netflix, I was like, "This is a perfect show for them." I remember that this was like a huge gateway uh, anime for a lot of preteens and teenagers when I was coming up in the anime scene. And I know you're three years younger than me, uh, so. Was Pokemon a thing for you? Because it wasn't for me. It was not huge for me. Like, I got the first game. So I think I was like 15 or 16 when the first game came out. Pokemon, uh, well, Red and Blue came out together. And for Easter, for Easter, my brother and I, I got Red in my Easter basket and he got Blue. Okay. And so I played a little bit of Pokemon Red. Like, I say a little bit. It's probably like 15, 20 hours. Like. Enough to get familiar with the Pokemon and, like, catch quite a few. But, like, that game, like, for me, at, at the age I was, uh, didn't, um, it, it didn't, like, grab me. It didn't have enough there. Like, I, just collecting for collecting's sake uh, wasn't what I was into. 
Uh, I was looking for something that was a little bit more story rich, something with um, uh, just a little bit more depth at the time. And I understand, though, that the games have acquired that depth over time and gotten uh, flesh, more fleshed out characters and more more involved stories. But once I left Pokemon Red behind, that was the age where I was like, I'm too cool for all this. Right. Disney movies? Nope. Pokemon? Nope. I am a sophisticated teen, uh, not into your kitty stuff. So, no, Pokemon wasn't huge for me, but like for people a couple years younger than me, I know it was. And and it's bizarre. So I work at a university and undergrads who are our student workers absolutely adore Pokemon. And it's weird because I'm like, I'm 33. And when I was a kid, Pokemon was a thing. And you're really into Pokemon. Like this is the longevity of that thing is pretty darn impressive. So Pokemon... um. Right now, my kids' interests change quite a bit because of the huge variety of selection on things like Netflix. Right. Like, they'll they'll grab a show, and they'll be so into it for a few weeks, and then they will move on to something else. Absolutely. But, like, I, I think My Little Pony Friendship is Magic has, has stuck around with them. They're, they're watching through the whole thing again. They had watched through all of it, like, a year or so ago, maybe, and they're watching it again because... My two-year-old, my youngest, is super duper into horses. Oh yeah! And so whenever he saw them on the screen, he was like, "Nene, Nene," and we're like, "It's Nene, absolutely Nene. We will watch Nene." And so we're watching Nene. We're watching uh, Friendship is Magic, and it's a super fun show. I enjoy watching that with them. Um, I would not call myself a brony. No, I would not. I would not identify myself as one, but I have seen um, quite a bit of the show. And I think it's a really like it's a pretty uh, for, for a children's show. It is the craft of the animation is quite good. And um, the storytelling is also pretty good. Oh, all right. Here's a hot tip for dads out there. If your kids are into things like Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! And that kind of like um, anime for kids, but that has been filtered through um, the American TV editing process, right? There was a, there's a show called Beyblade, and it is about kids that fight, that, that play tops with each other. Right. And the tops have like special powers. And this is a particular season of Beyblade. I forget. It's There's like a subtitle. It's called Beyblade Metal Fusion. The bar none absolutely worst voice acting i've ever <laughs> heard in my life so all right, all right. I, if your kid gets into it they will watch all 50 episodes and you will sit through it and just you will hate yourself so if you can avoid this uh, do not get in the Stay situation that i got in if you get nothing beyblade metal show. fusion i don't know about other beyblades they may or may not be good metal fusion is terrible. All right. <laughs> all right. All right. Now, all right. All right. Moving swiftly along. Other things they're into. They are into video games. The the older two are. Uh, my my youngest, my two year old, sometimes wants to play, and he gets excited when he can make the man jump. Right. Uh, but that's about it. But my six year old and four year old are playing. They've gravitated to a couple of like roguelike games. Okay. Uh, they're really into Rogue Legacy, and they're really into currently Risk of Rain, which is a super cool sci fi roguelike that um, that I also adore. And they, you know, and they also like Minecraft. They they also have a ton of Minecraft toys and books. 
uh, and like to to read about it. But uh, I would say that the the Minecraft the moon is is waning. It it will probably come back at some point, but the Minecraft fever is at a low ebb currently. Yeah, Minecraft. I think my son is into the concept of Minecraft. Like I think it's a cultural thing. Like all the kids kind of like minecraft but i downloaded uh minecraft for the tablet i think i've played it more when i say i played it i just built the cave <laughs> i'm not very good at like building a structure you know you think you're gonna build this huge castle and you're like man i built this this box with a door on it <laughs> i'm not yeah. an architect but uh <laughs> yeah I, I can't i can't myself get into the um kind of make your own fun right games uh, but i know i understand that um for our kids, they are going to be huge. Minecraft, I think, is a template and only the start. You know, there's a lot of stuff like uh, Terraria and things like, what's the word I'm looking for? Infamous Flop, No Man's Sky. Uh, all these kinds of make-your-own-fun kind of games are going to be very important, I think, for for their generation more than more than ours. Yeah, and, and I understand kind of the concept of it and the enjoyment of it. I mean, a lot of kids are into Legos. I've never was a real Lego kid, so maybe that's why I never could get into Minecraft. But, you know, I, I think, like you said, it's waning, but it'll probably come back stronger when he's a little bit older. I 100% agree with you that those kind of games are going to be important. So now that we kind of established like what our kids are into, what we're into, uh, you know, today we kind of just wanted to talk about like what was that gateway into nerddom? How did you become a nerd? What did you discover? Mm-hmm. And also like as a nerd dad, what have you tried to pass on to your kid? How how's it going? Like has it gone well? Is it going poorly? Is there anything that they've rejected? You know, first you were saying uh, you know you discovered anime when you first saw Dragon Ball. Uh, so uh, tell us a little bit more about how you became a nerd. Like what what got you into it? What what you got into okay um when i talk about being a gamer as a large part of being a nerd i think depending on the age you are that may sound weird right because games are such a like huge part of popular culture now it's like the biggest money maker in entertainment they're you know from phones to consoles pcs like you know everybody games everybody plays games and, and games play some part in people's lives that i know but when we were growing up you know that was not the case right you know if you wanted to spend your weekend your your saturday night playing final fantasy 6 instead of say going to the prom you were considered a nerd absolutely <laughs> So, gosh, ever since I can remember, I've always just been absolutely fascinated by games. I mean, early memories from kindergarten, from before kindergarten. Like I said, I remember being three and dying in Super Mario Brothers because I didn't know how to jump. And so, so I've always been been interested in those. Um, and just growing up, you know, I got Nintendo Power, and so... Instead oh, man, of so reading awesome. whatever other kids read, I was like reading about like, I don't know, Mega Man 4 and being like, oh man, look at this design on, on Airman. He looks so cool. Look at, look at Top Man. He looks so right, awesome. Right, right. And, and like wanting to be like, how do you, oh, how do you beat, beat Castlevania 2? That's such a weird game. What are you supposed to do? And like just like obsessing over that stuff and spending so much time doing that i think kind of marked me out as a nerd did you get the subscription that came with the free copy of dragon warrior no i was i missed that i was not i'll I'll, uh, I'll talk about that a little bit more when i talk about what what got me into nerd because that was like 
that was it. Oh yeah, yeah. Nintendo Power, that was the jam. Like I think like you had like the the baseball card collector, the sports illustrated kids, and you had Nintendo Power kids. Back then everybody's first taste of video games was probably Nintendo. You had a couple of Sega kids, but come on. The the NES, Nintendo Entertainment System, broke through for a lot of people in just a really special way. You know what what was the game the the first game that you can remember being like this is it. You know I played a lot of Street Fighter, I liked Mega Man, um Castlevania was big and important to me, Mario. All these were great, but like something about something about when I played Super Mario RPG for the first time, I was just didn't know games could do that, could could make me feel something in that way and tell a story in that way and really emotionally hook me beyond the sort of like frustration that you had died and elation that you had uh, won or beat the boss. Like those, those I was familiar with, but like getting emotionally invested in the character and their development. And if they die or, or if something good happens or if a relationship blossoms, like all these things were happening in Super Mario RPG and then Secret of Mana and then Chrono Trigger. And, and I just, I fell down that rabbit hole and i think that's probably that's definitely actually because i guess i was probably 12 years old when i played mario rpg and that kind of familiarity with jrpgs and japanese aesthetic and japanese storytelling i think prepared me in many ways to be an anime fan and so when i saw dragon ball z i was like i recognize this art and i went and looked at chrono trigger and i was like this is the same artist and it's akira toriyama very very famous japanese manga artist so that uh, was kind of a, a key interconnection point for me and like i said dragon ball z was my first first ever anime i didn't really know what anime was although i mean i you know i had watched like voltron and speed racer before right. but like you don't you know when you're like four you don't you just don't know you don't you're like this is cool but like dragon ball z i was like this is cool and it's also very right. different something about it that they're doing with the storytelling and with the stakes and with the direction is very different. And that led me to Gundam Wing. Another cultural touchstone for me, much like Nintendo Power when I was younger, was Toonami, the Cartoon Network after school block. Of It started out just being action cartoons, but like, thank goodness, they acquired the rights to Dragon Ball Z. And then Dragon Ball Z was such a huge hit for them, they started adding more anime. So they added Gundam Wing, they added Tenchi Muyo, they added the Big O, unfortunately titled Big O. <laughs> um, they added uh, other things over the years, and I, I just kept I just kept loving it. Uh, and then started to seek it out on my own and became the you know filthy anime fan that i am the dirty otaku dad it's funny because a lot of the things that you're talking about actually remind me of college because that's whenever i i met you and you introduced me to a lot of these things this hole that was in my nerd repertoire there of anime and jrpg so i remember playing like chrono trigger and things like that that's a college memory for me and i remember you introduced me to grandia 2 on dreamcast that so was good. like one of my favorite games deep fried goodness yeah <laughs> And I think it's interesting because if we go to like how I got into my nerdiness, you know, some of the same things, but I kind of went down different paths from those things. So we were talking about Nintendo and Nintendo Power. But I remember with the Nintendo Power, I got this copy of Dragon Warrior. It came with a Dragon Warrior. It came with this huge map. And I remember it like this was the best part is it had a map. It wasn't just run forward, press jump, shoot a fireball. It was like 
go explore, look for these things. You can get this, you can get that. It's like a wor- right. whole world. It definitely was my first experience with RPG, like becoming someone else and going and looking for things. And you know that game uh, had a lot of similarities to, to Dungeons and Dragons and things like that. So it was probably the first thing that ever sparked my interest in in that kind of a uh, that kind of thing of like, oh, I can be my own character. I can go. Uh, become someone else you know i never did go down the the jrpg uh trail that much uh i was a a huge nintendo fan and uh i guess my jam was more the uh zelda games i loved the uh, link to the past on snes such a good game oh my goodness incredible game the orcarina of time on nintendo 64 and like i can remember talking to somebody it may have been you about like, I love the Nintendo 64, and they're just like, what? That's a horrible console, but, like... <laughs> that was me. That we, I'm pretty sure we had to argue about that. Even though I owned a Nintendo 64. Right, and had a big library like, the Nintendo-branded games on that console were so awesome. Like, Mario World and Orcarina of Time and things like that. That's kind of where I went with video games, more of the... Uh, the Nintendo side, and I, I did, uh, you know, I mm-hmm. played Final Fantasy VII. I played all the big, the big ones there, and then I spent a lot of time playing Mortal Kombat Two. Really into that. I, I remember seeing Mortal Kombat in the arcade, and then being able to like, oh, you can actually play this game at home. You had the Super Nintendo version. Uh, wasn't edited and it was awesome i just remember like going to the supermarket and writing down the the fatalities on my hand (laughs) from like the game or whatever i mean my cousin would like go and like go right now it's like oh oh." i can remember doing that dude that's um i i um i played so much of that game that my parents took it away from me. <laughs> Mortal Kombat 2 for the SNES. They were just like, maybe, maybe, you know, our, our like, pre-pubescent son should spend less time decapitating people virtually. Right. My favorite fatality was the one where Liu Kang just, he just did a, the backflips and then uppercutted people because it was such a letdown to every other fatality. <laughs> it sure <laughs> was. Everybody thought you are going to turn into the dragon and eat them. You're like, nope, you just get cartwheels. <laughs> You're not even <laughs> worth the dragon. Exactly. They're like, well, I've been beaten. At least I'll get to see something cool. Like, nope. Nope. You know, and then with comic books, comic books were something that I just remember seeing the first Batman movie. Do you remember the first Batman movie? I do. I, I won the first Batman movie on VHS. And I was like, I'm in second grade. What am I going to do with the Batman movie on VHS? You, you were in second grade, so I was in fifth grade. So that was like the jam, Batman. And then I remember being on vacation and, you know, we're at the beach. What was I going to do? I'd already buried all my J.I. Joes. So I, <laughs> I, you know, I went to the uh, the grocery store and I found this Batman comic and I started reading this Batman comic. And, and like I said, like pretty soon i was telling my friend about it and he's like dude i got something better than that it's called the x-men and then it was done like x-men cartoon came on saturday morning it's like the best thing in my life oh man that theme music the x-men theme music i haven't watched this show in so long it is probably terrible i'll be honest some of it i will tell you some of it does absolutely not hold up for for whatever reason my brother and i watched it a, a few summers ago yeah and uh some of it's still all right you know but a lot of it's kind of bad Oh, yeah. But when you're like 10, it's super dope. We didn't have like 10 Avengers films and things like that. Like we had like there was he had the Spider-Man cartoon, you had Batman animated series, and you oh. had the X-Men cartoon. Like that was it. Like those were the comic book shows you had. Yeah. 
you had the the Batman movies that got more and more atrocious as they went on. So <laughs> yeah, they they sure did. You you had like a like a kind of a small community, right? Like you had a few friends that read comics. That I did, yeah. You know, the the kids down the street from me were all comic book guys, and so I, you know. They'd rip me off all the time and trade me like, I, I would always trade away. I'd always get ripped off, but I'd get cool stuff to read. You know, sometimes I think about that, like that whole self-discovery of uh, of all these these nerdy things that I got into. You know, that brings us to what we're actually here to talk about as being a nerd dad. And now we're kind of showing these to our kids. Like maybe there's a part of self-discovery that they're going to miss out on. Sometimes I worry mm. about that. What do you think? Yeah, that's a fair point, you know. I was mentioning earlier that I didn't want to overly kind of curate or direct my kids' tastes. I frequently will talk uh, with my wife about this. Like, I, I don't want it to be like, you know, I'm just trying to like raise some young friends of mine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. I want them to, to make their own decisions. And she's like, look, this is just their personality. Like, this, these are your genes. Like, my, my four-year-old son thinks a statue of a skeleton pirate man with a blunderbuss and a the big cutlass like he thinks it's like the dopest thing because it is it's it's pretty cool it's pretty cool (laughs) but i don't know if you know if every four-year-old would i don't know if i would have when i was four but like he thinks that stuff is is rad and so i i feel like you know i'm exposing them to things they're they're picking out a lot of what they see on netflix i'm pretty heavily curating the games they play but i think in that regard they're just kind of learning to game they're they're learning what games are what to expect from them how to interact with media kind of how to overcome challenges and puzzles and things like that and they're getting a taste for it and i think soon they'll be able to you know buy their own games for their tablets or their own console games or whatever and then they'll i guess just have have some tools i guess to engage with it Whereas if you were just coming into that stuff cold because your friends like games, like it, it just might be harder for you to engage with that stuff if you, if you didn't have some experience with it. Like one of the one of the first things before I started letting them play games, I would watch Let's Plays with my kids on YouTube. So we watched a few Let's Plays um, of things like Mario and Kirby's Epic Yarn. So they have of their own initiative shown that they think is cool some of the things that I think are cool. And so I'm just showing them some more so that they'll be better equipped to like pick their own stuff later. And then it, and you know what? If they completely move away from it in a few years, that's okay. You know, if they are not into watching anime by the time they're 12 and that's just something dad does, I'm perfectly content right. with that. I would not have enjoyed watching things subtitled when I, when I was seven. But my daughter really, really likes to because there's an anime on crunchyroll.com called uh tribe cool crew and it's really freaking rad it's just an anime about kids who break dance and they do break dancing competitions and stuff and it's super super cool the music is dope so my daughter will watch it and read along with the subtitles of practice or reading but my son will watch it and he doesn't even need to read it because it's such a visually told story that you can really kind of follow and tell what's happening. And you got to think, I mean, come on, Chuck, we have really good taste. <laughs> I guess it's okay. I agree with you. Like, I don't want to force my kid to like what I like. You're right. that It's a fine line between introducing the things that are cool and things you think are cool and trying to make a tiny you or trying to make a uh, a new tiny best friend. And, uh, you know, 
at the same time, like there are some things that I wish someone would have introduced me to when I was younger. That's fair. And, uh, I mean, there's a lot of terrible sci-fi movies I went through before <laughs> I found the good ones. Yeah, it took it took me many viewings when I was a kid of the Chuck Norris and John Lucas film Sidekicks to understand how terrible it was. <laughs> right, and right. I, I wish I didn't have to have gone through. This. Right, right. You you keep your kid from having a sidekick experience. <laughs> what was the first like? I guess the nerd gateway drug. Yeah, the the starter set, right? As it were. Um, I guess like I probably mentioned a few of them in the course of our talking. So sorry if I spoiled this segment. You ruined it. <laughs> but uh. Definitely, like, Pokemon was a conscious thing for me. Right. Just because I, I knew the appeal it had and the universal messages and the cute creatures that it had. And and it was anime, so it's automatically better to me than... No, right. I'm just kidding. Uh, but no, I did have I did have some fondness for for it. So that was a big... That was a big thing that I wanted to introduce them to when they were ready games i've always kind of doubted myself as far as like knowing what to show them because i'm just thinking like will this be too challenging or will this not be visually interesting enough or will this game will the, some of the content be too much for them but like somehow they happened into rogue legacy and that was the first game that they really really played and played and played and we basically have the platinum trophy in it because we've we've beaten it like three times and it is not an easy game to beat i i have helped them beat it because some of the bosses the first time you're playing are quite difficult but beating them like some of those memories will stick with me because as a as a trio me and my daughter and my oldest son when we did i felt like we were all celebrating together we were so excited we felt like we all did it together because they explored and got to the point and I fought the boss. And after a few tries, I finally beat him. And just that group adulation will stick with me. That's a really nice memory. We, we beat the floating skeleton that spit tinier baby skeletons at you. So both of those things, I think, have gone, gone pretty well. Because they have... They have a lot of Pokemon toys, have seen a lot of Pokemon shows, um, but and they, they can kind of pick out also now what anime is. They pick up on the more Japanese aesthetic versus something like My Little Pony. I guess on, on my end, and if you know anything about me, uh, you would know that uh, in my house, there, there's one firm rule, and that is we are Marvel fans. <laughs> You're alienating listeners. <laughs> right, right. And I don't care. <laughs> I love the Avengers. I love the X-Men. I'm obsessed with Captain America. I, I love all of it. I've always been a Marvel fan. So that was probably the first thing that like, I introduced to him. And when I introduced him, his first Halloween, he's born October 3rd. <laughs> On October the 31st, he was dressed as Captain America. That's so adorable. Yeah, I remember watching uh, Earth's Mightiest Heroes. It's an Avengers show that got canceled way too soon. You can watch on Netflix. Watching that together and like seeing how excited he was to see these different Marvel characters. You know, kind of introducing them. And so Marvel probably was the first thing I ever got him into. And with Marvel came comic books. And it's really strange because uh, comics, I don't think, are a child's medium. People seem to relate it to a child's medium, but... They have a lot of adult topics. It's really hard to find a comic book these days that I'm comfortable with my six-year-old looking at. I wanted to introduce him. There's some wholesome comics out there, so I've been slowly introducing them to him. Uh, like I said, he's into Guardians of the Galaxy stuff. The other thing is uh, 
something I'm sure your kids are probably into that you didn't mention it, but, uh, you know, Star Wars. Have your kids seen the Star Wars movies yet? Well, okay, so we have a complicated relationship with Star Wars. So, so my wife had a bad experience with seeing Star Wars, I think, too early in her life. Okay. And she was freaked out by okay. Jabba the Hutt, like literally free, like very like scared of Jabba the Hutt. Right. As as hu- a normal human person ought to be, I think. <laughs> right, right. And there's just one or two things about the movies that we feel like that they're not ready for. Some of some of the emotional drama and those complications in particular. Jar jar. Yeah, that's emotionally traumatic. No. Some things we feel like, you know, they're not ready for, but we definitely let them have the toys. But I do know they haven't seen the movies. There are a couple things that I'm like waiting for the right moment. Now, Star Wars Star Wars is one first Studio Ghibli movie is another. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I thought about uh, doing Studio Ghibli movies. I want to do My Neighbor Totoro so bad, but... Um, oh, wait a minute. I'm completely forgetting. Because we did already watch a Studio Ghibli movie together. I forgot over Christmas we watched Kiki's Delivery Service. I'm just thinking about Totoro. I want to show right. my daughter Totoro, but we haven't done it yet. However, we have seen the Ghibli movie. So, never mind. But the point still stands about Star Wars. <laughs> and I guess it's a little bit uh, more difficult for you because you have uh, three kids. One of them might be at the age or almost at the age. Exactly. It seems like Star Wars or something like that. That's a family experience. You don't want to you know, say, oh, you got to go sit in the room. Yeah, oh, def- definitely not. Definitely not. You know, we did Star Wars last last year. We started that. You know, there was this whole debate in my house of how do you watch the trilogy? Like, do we just go with the original trilogy? Do we watch the... the uh, As any good... The prequels any first. good nerd household i feel like is gonna have this discussion but first I, I was like we'll just start with one and go forth and i started one and he hated it he just wanted to turn it off jar jar scared him i was so proud <laughs> you know he was done he was he wanted to turn it off and i was like you gotta you know you gotta at least suffer you gotta get to, to darth maul and it's gonna make it so much better yeah. you need to know some of this stuff and then i was like you know what i'm just gonna introduce him the way i saw it like we're gonna go watch the, the original trilogy first and yeah and I was so worried because, like, he had not liked the first movie. And I was like, oh, my God, like, he's not going to be a Star Wars fan. Like, can't believe this. And then, so, but we watched the, the original trilogy and he loved it. Like, he was into it. He liked Vader. He loved Chewbacca, of course. And he liked, he's really into the droids, all the different droids. Absolutely. Like, my kids love yeah. the, ro- like, anything robotic, they're pretty fascinated with. So, like, all the robotic characters in Star Wars, they are all in on. Including the stormtroopers who are not robotic, but they look like robots walking around. Right, right. They they look cool. We went and saw eight together in the theater, and I, I thought that was really cool. It was a little, I'll be honest with you, it was a little bit more emotionally mm. traumatic than I than I wanted it to be with him. You know, sometimes uh, I suffer from this whole like this is my nerd best friend now, so we can go watch this together. And sometimes I don't think, oh man, you know, maybe this is something that he's not ready for. I've, I've had. I've had these moments. We should we should talk about this in depth, I feel like, because I feel like all the parents, all nerd dads could probably commiserate with that. But he loved it. I mean, I tried to explain to him, like, listen, these Ewoks should have been Wookiees. <laughs> but he loved the Ewoks. It's like, no, listen, they should have been Wookiees. But, you know, we'll get to that one day. No, we'll dad. <laughs> Wicket's cool. Right, right. Do you ever find like how fun it is to to watch something through your kids' eyes, like see a kid's view of something that you've loved? And I talked about him being in, into Harry Potter, and Harry Potter something we just started when he turned six, and that's 
a book that if you read it and don't realize it's a kid's book, sometimes you you can pick it apart. You can look at these places and you say, well, then this is a huge plot hole or what? This doesn't make any sense. But when you look at it through a kid's eyes, like whenever Harry got the firebolt, my son would celebrate, you know, like had to stop reading so he could do a little dance. Like, <laughs> I do like that about kids. Oh, it's it's amazing. Like, I, I've always really really love that vicarious experience where i have seen something like i've been home at christmas and watched an anime and i'm like i can't wait to get back to college and show this anime to tyler and jason right Right. so we can i can experience it like i'm experiencing it through the first time by proxy through them it's even more special with with your children you know because they're they're your children and and they are and they are kids and you don't get to go back to that time before you saw Transformers or Star Wars. Right. But you can kind of cobble that together in some way through them. And it's really awesome whenever I've had that. I haven't shown them a lot of like of old stuff that, that I had seen. Right. So when I say Transformers, right, they, they haven't seen like Generation 1 Transformers. Right. Because that's not streaming and prohibitively expensive to go out and buy that stuff. Right. But we can kind of get close to that when Optimus Prime shows up in Robots in Disguise or something. And they're like, oh, yeah, Optimus Prime, time to wreck some people's Christmas. And I'm like, I remember this feeling. This is an awesome feeling. <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. In the same way, there's certain things you can't go back and unsee that uh, you can make sure they never see. Like <laughs> the Transformers movie. Or maybe you like the Transformers movie. I, I do know. like the Transformers <laughs> movie. Thank you. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Are we talking about the animated film or the Michael Bay film? No, the animated. How, how dare you? How dare you? Listen, Stan Bush is going to come on the show <laughs> and he's going to hit you with a guitar. <laughs> Was that Neat Not Ninny Poop? Was that what the... <laughs> that was the universal for hello? Is that... F- <laughs> yes. Okay, right. Yes, that's correct. I'm just trying to recall. Like, yeah. And there's other... I mean, there's there's much worse movies that I can make sure that he doesn't get into. I can take that out of his hand. You got to let your kid kind of find his own thing. But at the same time, I like being able to introduce him to things and kind of guide him. I think, what do you call it? Or curate mm-hmm. what he's into and what he what he looks at. I mean, he has his own interests. He has his own things. Yeah. And hey, like we talked about before, any parent's going to have to put up with like a modicum at least if not a great deal of subpar children's entertainment <laughs> oh yeah i mean and there's a lot out there let's just be honest you know we could probably do a whole show of stuff your kid loves <laughs> that you, you hate yep all right well uh you know that's about all i got for today uh do you got anything else no i think we covered a lot of good ground today it was a uh, it was a great show jason well i think so uh it's only going to get better from here i think this is a really interesting topic i think a lot of a lot of stuff we can talk about there's a whole generation of us nerd dads out there that are trying to figure out how to be a dad be a nerd get your kid into it when do we do this when do we not do that chuck uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us uh, if anybody wants to follow you or get in touch with you uh, how they can uh, keep up with you sure sure um if you want to chat about being a nerd dad or just want to talk about you know nerdy things and in general uh you can find me at the subtle doctor on twitter uh, that's t-h-e-s-u-b-t-l-e-d-o-c-t-o-r 
And if you are interested in reading my you know, writings about anime, you can find them at wavemotioncanon.com. I'm also on the fandom post as well. All right. If you want to follow me, you can always follow me at WJFalk on Twitter. You can also follow this podcast at Dungeon Dads on Twitter as well. Yeah. Hook, hook up with us on Twitter. Uh, tweet Dungeon Dads topics you might want us to cover or you know maybe some things we didn't cover or, or your own experiences introducing your kids to stuff. Absolutely. We'd love to, to hear about your experiences as a nerd dad and uh, what you'd like for us to talk about. You know, uh, just let us know. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Good night, everybody.